This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. You're hearing from Coal March and Triangle Pest Control's Donnie Shelton and PCO Bookkeepers, PCO M&A Specialist, and Turf Books Dan Gordon, as well as some of the biggest players in the pest control and lawn care industries. We're talking about what is changing in the industry and taking you straight to the front lines of what the future holds. If you're ready to grow your pest control or lawn care business, you're in the right place. Hello, everyone. Welcome out to another episode of PMP Industry Insiders, where we take a look at what's changing in the industry and take you to the front lines to those who are driving those changes in the industry. Thank you for joining us. My name is Donnie Shelton, owner of Triangle Pest Control and Triangle Lawn Care, as well as CEO of Colmarch, a company that provides digital marketing and sales services for the home services industry for both the pest and lawn industries. And as always, I have my partner in crime with me, Mr. Dan Gordon. Dan, do you want to say hi to everyone? Hello, everyone. And for those keeping score, uh, Donnie just added the lawn care business. So uh, <laughs> no one's keeping score. <laughs> I did just add the lawn business, but anyway, continue. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, we own uh, PCO bookkeepers and uh, PCO M&A specialists. And uh, so we're in the accounting business for pest control companies, as well as exit planning. And uh, um, Donnie and I have been doing this since uh, it started out as a, you know, uh, shows right after COVID started and turned into a podcast series. And uh, just want to thank everybody for uh, listening. The amount of downloads is just pretty incredible and uh, very excited to uh, very excited to have our guest today. Uh, and uh, our guest is Sharon Roebuck, and she is the COO of Eastside Exterminators out in uh, Seattle and uh, the rock star of the CO2 uh, conference. Oh, Everybody isn't that just, true? Um, she is the rock star. Her presentation. Absolutely. uh, Welcome. So hang on. So before we get to this though, Dan, I actually have a funny story about Sharon before I actually let her speak, which I'm sure she's probably not going to like me telling, but it is pretty funny. So I met my very first experience meeting Sharon was actually at the Northwest uh, Pacific Conference. And which, by the way, if you've never been there, it's in Hood River. It's a beautiful area. It's a great conference. I love going. I've been there a few times now. And, and I love it when they invite me out to speak just because, well, it gives me a good reason to get out there. Um, so I'm speaking and I think I was with Dennis Jenkins. We were doing like a combined session and I, I don't even remember what the topic was, but Sharon was like intense, like question, like, what about this? What about this? What? And I just thought, man, this this lady is like on it. And <laughs> about, about By the time I got to the end, I'm like. This lady is super sharp and and dialed in. And so anyway, it was just a very good first impression. And that was only scratching the surface. And, you know, our topic today, I don't think could be more fitting for Sharon. The topic is scaling up and how to lead your business to the next level. And and with that, Sharon, can you just give us a brief overview of who you are? Uh, Obviously, we know that you work at Eastside and how long you've been there and kind of what you do. For sure. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me today, uh, Donnie and Dan. It's my pleasure to be on your fabulous podcast, and I'm so happy that you're having success with that. That's really good to hear. Um, I think it was much needed. So as uh, you mentioned, I'm Sharon Roebuck. I'm the COO at Eastside Exterminators, and uh, I've been with Eastside 
for a little over six years now. I have been in the Pacific Northwest a little over eight years now. I came from Denver, Colorado, where I did own my own company. I owned a small chimney sweep business for about 15 years. Um, it was a great experience for me uh, and prepared me, I feel, uh, greatly for what I'm doing now. It was a service industry business with recurring revenue, uh, with some routing thrown in there, uh, going into people's homes, protecting families, which is exactly what we do at Eastside. So I couldn't have had a better, um, a better road to walk down to pave the way for what I'm doing now. Uh, after we sold the company in Denver, well, I, I sold my part of the company and I started working for Comcast. And then uh, I was transferred to the beautiful Pacific Northwest with Comcast, where uh, I stayed for about a year and then started looking for something else. And I kind of stumbled across Eastside in a real weird way. I uh, saw an ad. I was kind of looking to scale back on my career, maybe just have like a little job to earn some extra money. <laughs> I saw uh, <laughs> yeah, just something, you know, to kind of fill my days. I saw an ad for a call center, uh, didn't list the name of the company, which I'm so happy because I would have never applied to an exterminator. Um, but I went in, I, I met the, um, the owners, Deanna uh, Townsend and Alex Altizer, and I started as the call center manager. And um, it was a very small call center, so uh, it, was it was a great challenge to help them improve their call center. Then I was there for about a year, then became the operations manager for uh, another couple years, and then the COO. So it's been a really great experience. Um, Great industry, surprised that I'm in it, but loving it nonetheless. So that's just a little bit about how I got to Eastside. And I will tell you, Sharon, you brought up something that just, it kills me and I wished I somehow I could change it, but I can't. And, and what you said was if it had an exterminator, you probably would have not applied. And, and I, I think this is something that everyone struggles with. You know, we, it's the same thing at Triangle, right? We we try to, not that we're trying to hide the fact that we're in it. We just, we have to somehow, some way overcome the stereotypes. But anyway, that's another topic. For it's another not the day. glamour industry that, that most of us think that it is. Yeah, and, yeah, and that uh, Hollywood does us no favors either, right? They always show the exterminator with a cigar hanging out of his mouth. He's, you know, he's got the plumber's crack going on. Um, they don't do us any favors there. But, but anyway, so having said all of that, Eastside was a great company when you came in and, you know, I have kind of sat on the sidelines since I've known you guys and watched some things that you have done. And, you know, it's almost like you've made this transition from, from good to great. And so I wanted to spend some time on this. I think our audience could benefit from this because to me in business, you know, you always have to be moving forward, right? You always have to be thinking about what's next and, you know, cause the, the only thing that remains the same is that you have to change. And, and you made some pretty big changes at Eastside. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of now that you've gotten the COO seat, um, things that you have done, things that you're doing? Um, I mean, maybe we'll start there. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You're so correct. You're either moving forward or you're moving backward. You're never staying the same. Um, it's been the message that I've preached to the managers since day one is uh, you better get used to change because 
it's the only thing that's constant. Um, so we we do quite a bit of that, it, almost to where uh, people are like, okay, what what are we doing this week? Um, you mentioned good to great. That's a great, that's a great book. Good to great is a good book to read uh, and has helped us on our journey. Uh, there was about 35 to 40 employees when I started Eastside, and we're at 88 now. So it has been quite the journey. There are a couple things that we did that I feel made all the difference in the world. And one of those things was implementing implementing an operating system. Um, as everyone probably knows, we use EOS, or what most people like to call traction, but it's really called EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating Systems by Gina Wickman. Um, I love this system. I'm not uh, opposed to other systems. I know Donnie used a different one um, at Colmarch and at Triangle, but it doesn't really matter which one you have, just have one, right? Just pick one. So, so, so let me pause you right there real quick, because there's actually, a I have a funny story about EOS. So I fought EOS for years. <clears throat> and let me tell you why I fought it. It's because I'd be in business meetings and I would hear this thrown out and people would jump on it and then they would be on it for two or three months and then they would jump off or they would stop doing it or follow it kind of halfway. And I just thought, oh boy, here we go. This is the buzzword of the quarter or the buzzword of the year. And so it just, it had nothing to do with it. It was like my own like little hang up. And so I didn't do it for like, you know, three years. I didn't even read the book, which is kind of rare for me. Okay, I have since read the book, huge fan of EOS. And you're what right. Revelation. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, hey, you know, I am one. Um, my wife says this the best. I reserve the right to change my mind. So there you go. <laughs> That's right. So, so, so the way that I learned about EOS, I was actually at Hood River, and there was an implementer out there who did a talk. This guy was the most boring guy I have ever seen. His presentation put everybody to sleep. But I was so enamored with EOS that I became a fan, and Remember, the guy who presented it was horrible, so it's got to be a good system. We use EOS at our, um, at, at our accounting firm. So, so what, I, what I have done is, first of all, I was not a fan of EOS until I read the book. And the thing that converted me was, you know, we always talk about culture. Oh, culture. Culture is so important. Culture, 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 culture. Everyone talks about it. No one defines what it is. Well, you know, it's kind of how we work. And, you know, I have struggled for years trying to figure out I have systematized operations. I've, um, I mean, every area of my business, I have somehow, some way, have created a checklist with it and some standards and procedures and those types of things. But the culture has just always been one that has gotten, I just have not been able to do that. And there's a great infrastructure in EOS on how you manage that, you know, in terms of creating your values and then evaluating your people based on your values. Um, and so Sharon is correct. I don't use it. 100%, but I use, I would say 80% of it. And instead of doing big rocks, I use OKRs, but crazy change what you just said there, Sharon. I mean, someone to take this on is a huge thing. So I'm sorry for butting in, but it was your, I want, I, I'm just, I'm just saying, yes, agree 100%. So EOS continue. Sorry. Okay. Good. To, good to hear. We're about uh, four and a half years in now. And uh, we started with um, uh, an EOS implementer and now we've, we've, graduated on to where I just do all of the implementing myself. I so run just all to be clear here, you guys hired someone to do it. You didn't try to take this on yourself. We absolutely did. Uh, 
for the first maybe uh, two, three years. And then we still have our implementer come back for our two-day annual planning sessions, only because uh, it's much easier for me to participate in those when I'm not running the meeting and just trying to be an attendee. But for all of our quarterly pulses, which is our quarterly planning meetings with, with all the departments, I, I do those myself. Uh, and so, so what drove that decision, Mike? Okay, we're not gonna do this ourselves. I'm gonna bring someone in. What, walk me through what, what got you there to that point. To that uh, well, decision. first of all, I was not the COO at that time when we brought, when we brought this implementer in, which is great, I'm, you know, which is fine. And, and uh, we just, okay, well, we won the uh, silent auction at Hood River. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell me that it was the guy who, the boring uh, guy. Uh -oh. so I, I hope you're not talking about Don Sassy because he's one of my favorite people in the whole world. Uh, and uh, name. Uh -oh. in the whole world, I just oh, love this no. man. He's just an awesome human being. And uh, we, we want his services. I do believe you're talking about his um, assistant at the time, but I'm not sure yes. and it doesn't matter. Let's just move on. Let's yes. say that you were talking about <laughs> his um, Anyways, we won that. Uh, uh, Donnie. Well, that makes it easy. Okay. All right. So we brought him in. He laid the groundwork for, for us. I'm so grateful that we had an implementer to start off because we didn't um, misunderstand anything, create any bad habits, go down any weird roads. We just, we did our, our all day meeting where we created our core values and learned all about the six key components. And we were really able to implement it correctly. Now it takes years years to get to be 80% proficient in all of those six key components, which are vision, data, processes, traction, uh, issues, and people, right? So those are the six key components that make your business successful. But as you said, the difference that you can see when you implement all of these things is just amazing. Uh, taking your company in that 90-day world and setting 90-day goals to push the company forward to meet your long-term goals uh, has made all the difference in the world. Uh, we went from total chaos to uh, to being organized and having a process that's doc everything has a documented process. It's followed by all. It takes a lot of the guesswork out, a lot of the questions out because people just know, oh, in this situation, I do this because that's our process. So it has been extremely helpful. Um, it's been very, uh, it's been a great stability for our employees. It's funny that you mentioned earlier, oh, this is the buzzword of the quarter, right? Because so no. we have a lot of really tenured employees at Eastside, a lot. So they were like, oh, here we go again, right? Oh, we're now we're gonna try this. The, and uh, you know, just putting in the time and being consistent, uh, extremely consistent uh, is the key. So among this, the most important thing and the biggest change is our culture, right? That's uh, what you said, Donnie. And it's so hard to define culture. Um, at, at the last EOS conference, I was I was talking to Gino Wickman. Do you like that name dropping there? Yeah, wow. uh, that is, that is. You know, Donnie wrote a book too. Donnie wrote two hey, books. No, no. no, what you got to do is you be like, you know, my 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 close friend Gino <laughs> and I were just chatting. And that's yeah. that's kind of how you had to do. Yeah, we were just chatting at the reception. <laughs> Anyways, uh, and he he just kept saying, you know, your culture is your soul, right? That's that's the soul of your company. It's 
who you are. Um, and so once you establish that, it's pretty cool to watch when you hire, fire, review, and reward based on your core values. It's so cool to watch people come to you that you want and people that you don't want leave because it just works out that way. So culture is, is our biggest thing that we have worked on so hard to have a meaningful culture with employee engagement where people can feel valued. Uh, and when they do, it spills over onto our customers. We you know, I just thought of something when you said this, Sharon, and, and Dan, I'm gonna take you down this road too, real quick. You are the second guest that we've had on this podcast that has talked about the transformation that their business has made when they've implemented EOS. Do you remember the first one, Dan? Aaron? Yeah, Aaron Richardson of All-American. Yeah, yeah. So we, we did it as well at our place and uh, it's, it, you know, our growth trajectory trajectory has been incredible. In addition, our, we don't, we don't have turnover. We, we just don't. And well, so the we thing that well. Sharon just said and Aaron said is making me feel like a real doofus right now, which is my ego got in the way as well as my, um, I don't know how to say this, my, uh, maybe just being cheap. <laughs> So we well, have implemented it ourselves. I was going to say chauvinistic <laughs> tendency. What, what, what is it? What is it, honey? Is it, you know, so, your so cheapness? Not, yeah, so I have, you know, I didn't bring in an, an integrator. I We have been doing it ourselves. And, and you know, and, and I'm not far enough along in it yet to say if it's a win or not. But, it, you know, the one thing I have struggled with on that decision is I don't know that I want to be the integrator because sometimes I feel like I get in the way. You know what I mean? Like I, we, should, we should be on the same side of the team and the integrator's role is to kind of put us all together, not me be the one that's like doing that. So the one, the anyway. one thing about putting up a bunch of money is you've got it, it shows commitment. And so you're not as ready to scrap it because you've got a big investment. So mm -hmm. that's-, that's uh, it, that tends to be true. Anything you pay for, you uh, you do. You're not going to be like, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. I only paid five grand for it. No big deal. So, so Sharon, so you bring in, and the other thing that I really like about, and, and how is this turning? This is like turning into a little EOS fan club here, but, uh, and I will try to move us on. But, you know, the other thing that I have been very impressed with with EOS is that it's very people focused. And in a service business, it's all about, you know, lining. I mean, when you think about it, processes, okay, well, your people know what to do. It's easy to train them. Procedures, same thing. Culture, you know, performance expectations. And so, um, anyway, enough of the billboard. This, you know, we need to go to EOS and tell them they need to sponsor this this one. Yeah, oh, you get, oh no, Dan's putting up a uh, a book, by the way. You can't, oh, yeah. both of you. <laughs> so this is my Bible. Way. My traction book's actually falling traction. apart at the bindings because traction I use it. shows you how to do it, and then he wrote, and Gino wrote another book called Get a Grip, which is really oh. interesting. And if you get the, uh, the audio version, it's... Um, just role playing between, you know, and, and it shows you who belongs in your organization and who doesn't. It's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, Part of the thing, though, I wanted to mention, Donnie, it is a big commercial for EOS. I get that. But the thing that uh, you have to remember is it takes people to implement it. Right. So that commitment yeah. and drive to 
push it forward. And it's a lot of work. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that, oh, we, we read a couple books and now we're great. Right. No, we're, right. we're uh, almost five years in, right, of constant mm -hmm. commitment and constant work and consistency, consistency, consistency. So um, I'm not going to let EOS have all the credit. I'm going to give it to my team, my managers, uh, all the owners, all the people who really pushed it, pushed it forward, cascaded it out. I just had a brand new hire. Well, she's not brand new. She's think she's in the middle of her 30, 60, 90. So she's about 60 days in, in the call center. And she uh, asked me if she could have a call, which is really rare, right? They, and I'm like, sure. So we were on a Zoom and she said, um, I just want to tell you that I left a very toxic work environment. And every night I go to bed and I want to cry because I'm so happy that I work at Eastside. She said, the first few weeks that I worked there, I said to my husband, are these people for real? Is this real? <laughs> Join the cult. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And did you did you great. say did you tell her okay? Well, just continue to drink the the Kool Aid that you, we yes. we provide for lunches. Yes, if that's a <laughs> that's a big joke around uh, with the leadership team. They're like, how how much Kool Aid are we giving out today? I'm like, oh, yeah. pictures, pictures, and pictures of it. And and let me just for our audience, let me just say here for a moment, if you've not seen uh, Sharon present at CO2. What she's saying and what she's talking about right now is not a bunch of hot air. They 100% believe it. I've always been impressed with her presentations and kind of what you get to see. Uh, obviously, you know, Sharon, when you when you're up for a full hour talking about what you guys do, it absolutely puts in into context what you're saying. And and I agree. It it, it, it it's always your people, right? I I get so tickled at people that read the book of the month, and it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna go, and it's all in the execution. So so kudos to you guys, and and. And that is a huge thing. And so I think what you said at the very I, I beginning is that question, you did. Sharon, I, I do. Quick question. Do you include technicians in on your meeting or do you have an EOS meeting with technicians or is it just leadership? No, we we, we do all the meetings. OK, so every we have a I am in charge of uh, Deanna and Alex do not participate in the company uh, day to day. So every Tuesday, I have what's called a check-in with Deanna and Alex, and I check in with them. I say, this is going on, this is going on, this is going on. Here are the scorecards, because we have our data down, so they can look at our scorecards and know in one second if something's wrong or not, right? Uh, and then once a month, we have what's called a same page meeting where we schedule the whole day, and we can go through, like, if they want to say, hey, I want you to change this. I don't like how we're doing this. So that's saved for once a month. So that's my meeting with the owners. Then every single department that we have, our techs, our insulation department, our exclusion department, our call center, all of our managers, we have our weekly level 10 meetings. That means they start at a 10 uh, and they go down from there and you have to rate the meeting after. You follow the agenda, same time, same place, start on time, end on time. I don't want to know our score for this meeting right now. Continue so on, we, we stay on track. So to answer the question, Dan, yes, every single department has a weekly level 10 meeting where they can bring issues forward to discuss to fix them so they're not lingering there then turn into resentment it also keeps our departments uh close interdepartmentally because they can say hey last week this happened in the call center can you deal with it and then and then we'll deal with it we even go so far as and hold on to your hat because people think this is crazy we do a quarterly pulse with every single department which I'm in the process of doing these last two weeks of January 
So I take the whole day, block out all the technicians, and we meet and we talk about our our rocks that we set for last quarter, if they got them accomplished, their personal best, their professional best, and we plan the next quarter. Where do we want your department to go this quarter? What do you want your number to be? What do you want your rocks to be? We do that with literally every division, and there's eight of them. Um, so it's it's a lot. It costs a lot of money, but uh, the progress that we make uh, to have everyone's voice heard and to deal with our issues, the issues lists get smaller and smaller and smaller each time. So we're in 100%, 110%. So so real quickly during COVID, are you doing all this on Zoom call or are you doing it? Yeah, okay. we are. We're doing it all on uh, Zoom. It's been interesting. We did our kickoff party for the year on Zoom. We did our state of the company address on Zoom. It just is what it is right now, right? We all miss each other desperately because our culture was, we're a very, you know, personal, fun group. So it's been difficult, but we've found some real creative ways to have fun on Zoom. So I have a question. Sorry. We'll go ahead, Dan. I'm not going to question. So, so most people won't be able to see this because we're not, uh, there's no visuals on the podcast, but it looks like Sharon is sitting in a gamer's seat. Um, a gamer's chair, and um, you know, so she, she. Well, hang on, hang on. But she's not sitting in pajamas. All right, she actually looks really nice. <laughs> no pajamas. I'm I'm big on no pajamas. I I feel much better when I get up and get dressed and show up. And so so I at the beginning of the podcast, Donnie said, "Is there anything you don't want me to ask you?" And I said, "Yeah, my age." And now I'm going to screw that up because now I have to tell you why I'm sitting in a gamer's chair. <laughs> I had knee replacement surgery in November and uh, I, I've been recovering for the past couple months and it's been a difficult recovery. And when I sit at a chair too long with my leg down, it starts to swell up. So I was looking online and I'm like, oh my gosh, these office chairs have leg rests on them. <laughs> and my HR gal, Keiko, she said, um, yeah, those are gamer chairs for people who sit at computers for a long time and play games. I'm like, well, I'm in. I am so in. Sure, oh. and have my leg up at the same time, and I said I can sit at my computer for ten hours. I'm in. Uh, that's so, so, so that's so, the story behind my gamer's chair, Dan. So I have a question for you, Sharon. Um, there's no doubt that. Eastside has made a huge shift. I mean, in terms of changes and what you guys are doing, and I think it's, I think they're very positive changes. Would you say that implementing EOS has been kind of the genesis of the other changes that you've made, or has it just been kind of like, okay, EOS is we're working this with our people, and then let's look at infrastructure as part of that? Um, what, what has been driving? Because I mean, there's there's obviously more than just EOS that you're doing, right? Sure. Yeah, we we are definitely doing more than just EOS, but EOS has allowed us the opportunity to be more organized to get those changes accomplished um, and having the freedom to me having the freedom to implement the things that I feel uh, will push us forward has been great. I'm really big on personal growth and giving our people the opportunity to not just grow professionally, but to grow personally and to support them in that. So um, I never get freaked out when people are like, oh, I wanna be a 
an engineer one day, I don't sit back and go, oh, well, I better start looking for someone else because, you know, like I'm not under the grand illusion that someone's going to be a call center agent for the rest of their lives, right? Um, but I support them in their personal and professional growth. And sometimes they get to be what they want to be and stay at East Side. And I talked about this at CO2 a couple years ago. Keiko's a great example of that. She's our HR generalist. We don't call her that. Her title is Director of People and Culture. Um, but she started as a call center agent. And then uh, when our call center manager became pregnant and took maternity leave, she interned as the call center manager. And then she came into my office and said, I know that uh, Shelby's coming back from maternity leave. And I really don't want to go back to being a call center agent. I said, OK, what do you want to do? She said, I'd really like to uh, go to school, finish my she's got a two degrees, but she wanted to get go back for, for HR and get her SHRM. And she said, because I want to be an HR generalist. I said, cool, let's do it. You can be an executive assistant while you're going to school, and then you can move into that seat. She is the greatest thing that's ever happened to Eastside. She's just on it. She loves it. She works with all of our core values, with passion, commitment. She does the right thing. She helps so much, and uh, that's just one example. There are many. This goes back to the right person, right seat. I'm not afraid to say, oh, listen, you have all our core values, but you're not doing great in this particular position. Let's see where you can move. We also use Colby, which is a, an index system to see what people's, you know, what they were born to do, what they take energy from. So we have a lot of different ways that we implement change. I think that the biggest, uh, the biggest thing is you have to uh, put in the time to get your team to trust you, right? They have to know that when you make a decision, it's not based out of just, oh, I I thought of this the other night. We're going to try it. I don't care if you like it or not. So we, we do a lot of collaboration where we sit in a room and say, okay, let's, let's put everything on the table. What do you think will happen if we do this? And what do you think will happen if we do this? A great example is we're going through one right now. I am implementing forms and the analytic dashboard on PestPack because all of our inspection reports that we do for road inspections, we have our own forms, we upload them. We, we've done it that way for years. It's the best way to do it. We're not going to change it. And I said, well, what if we did? <laughs> what if we made right, it's it not easier? broken? Let's fix it anyway. Right. Yeah. So, so, uh, I uh, sat down with them all. I let them all come to the demo, right? I didn't go to the demo by myself and say, oh, we're doing this. I let them come to the demo, ask the questions, and now we're, we've got a 30-day trial, and they're pretty excited about it. I'm letting them in there messing around with it, trying to figure out if it'll work for us or not. So it's just collaboration, trust, um, being there to walk them through it, being patient, right? Because everyone freaks out in the beginning, like, oh, we can't do that. And here's 20 reasons why. And I always say, okay, for every reason that you give me that we can't do this, I need one reason why we can. I, I need equal time here. So if you can give me as many cans many as you can cans, then then we'll we'll be we'll have a discussion, right? So uh, it's just part of our culture. We talk about it all the time. It's more difficult for some people than others, and I and I recognize that. So I am patient with those who struggle with it a little bit more. Um, but it's really paid off uh, in a lot of great ways. We have new and better technology, more efficient processes. 
uh, we're more streamlined with job duties. Another great example is working from home, right? That was something kind of like you were saying. I've heard you say, Donnie, oh, I'm not a believer in working at home. We weren't really either, um, but boy, we are now, and and we will open the office again, and we do want to be together again, but how great is it to know that we can work from home and maybe implement like a hybrid of work from home two days a week in the office three days or if the weather's inclement or there's a traffic accident or your child is sick but doesn't need your constant attention, you can still work from home, right? So we've learned a lot of lessons and um, people know that change is, at Eastside, they know the change is coming, but we've built that consistency and trust and let them, we've made sure that their voices are heard. So, so that's what builds that trust of knowing that, hey, they're not gonna change it just for the sake of changing it, it always ends up being better so you covered an awful lot there and, and one, one no it's all right it's quite all right because i mean it is there's a lot happening there but i mean i want to make sure that folks understand and and you said this um in a roundabout way i'm going to try to summarize it but you know i it sounds like you you really view your role as coo as being a person who is leading change and getting people on board and understanding, <clears throat> number one, seeing the changes that need to happen, but then number two, leading those changes, uh, not only on your leadership team, but throughout the organization. And so one of the things that I've been able to observe, um, just because you know, you're know coming out to CO, uh, CO2, is you have a great relationship with the owners. Um, you know, We have a lot of folks on the podcast who are either owners who are looking to develop a, a better relationship with a COO or a manager and vice versa, right? Managers who are looking to develop a really good relationship with the owners. What kind of advice do you have for folks who are looking to try to create or, or to make that relationship stronger and really more effective? Any, any thoughts there? Absolutely. So it is exactly that, right? It's a relationship. Um, and that I can't stress that enough. So uh, I, in, in my situation, it's pretty unique because uh, the way Traction has it set up is you have a visionary and an integrator. Uh, well, we have two, two owners, I have two bosses, they're two visionaries with very different personalities, right? So it's a little more challenging, but uh, we, we have a relationship. I have a relationship with them individually and a relationship with them together. Uh, and I I was thinking about this question uh, last night, and I, I really came up with the three things that we practice the most are a high level of trust, uh, mutual respect, and we have a saying that at Eastside, and it's leave your ego at the door. Um, those are the three things that we really focus on uh, when we talk. We um, and and we have heated discussions, right? Because letting go is hard. They've they've made the decision to let go over the course of the years. I know personally how hard that is being a previous business owner. It's it's difficult. So you have to build that relationship first. There's a book called Radical Candor. I made all my managers. I made all my managers read it. And um, <laughs> one of the one of my favorite phrases is in there is is you have to care personally so you can challenge directly. We bring our whole selves to work. It's ridiculous to think that oh, 
I don't need to get to know this person. As long as they do their job, we're good. That's not how we roll. We, we really know each other and take care of each other. We bring our whole selves to work. Uh, we're, our first core value is family focused. I know everyone's spouse. I know how many kids they have. They feel comfortable reaching out to me if they're going through some sort of crisis. And sometimes we can help them. We can you know, alleviate some of that stress and worry for them. So we are family focused and I feel that way that comes straight from, from the owners. And we meet with each other once a week. Like I said, we, we used to socialize when we could go places. Um, they know me, I know them. Uh, they know the things that trigger me. I know the things that trigger them. And we present those situations with a lot of respect and open uh, open conversation where we're honest and we're very specific with our expectations and ask for feedback always. But but that's I know I just said a lot again, but it kind of all boils down to <laughs> the trust, respect and ego. Those three things were the things I picked out to to really focus on. I think in any, you know, anyone and, and I'm going to translate ego to say humility. You know, if you're a humble and then then you're teachable when you know everything. I always tell people, you know, I will keep someone on my staff if they're all in and they're producing and we got a seat for them. They're all the way there. But the moment that their ego gets so big that they stop taking direction, then that person becomes unmanageable at that point. And that's usually when I decide it's no longer going to work out. And so, I, I mean, I, I just want to hammer home that point of humility. I think that's. And that also build. I think that helps with building trust and, you know, all the things that you, you describe is that it, that's the very step one. The humility on the owner's side uh, is really important because everybody, every owner wants a general manager. Here, you take everything, but then they want to meddle in it. And you've got to have trust and you've got to have humility. And sometimes that person may not do things the way you want to, to, to do it, but you got to look at the finish line, not at the... Uh, at the, at the way you get there so right i mean that's big for us another word i was thinking about when you said trust donnie is vulnerability and that's been big for us this year between uh the managers all the managers and and with our owners you, you know you have you have to let each other in uh if you aren't vulnerable it's really hard to build trust because you don't trust that person with your feelings or or your opinion. So we've been really working on that in our management team and uh, and the owners and myself, we're, we're very open and honest with each other. And, and that really does help to build that trust. And, and Dan, what you said is the whole point of traction, the visionary says, this is my vision. And then the integrator makes that vision happen. Um, they don't say, this is my vision and here's the 10 steps that I want you to take to implement it. And I don't like the way that person looked at me this morning. So they need to be fired and you know, yeah. that has to all be taken out of it, all that opinion and ego. And you just have to let the system work. If, if the day comes where the scorecard is alarming and our profits in the toilet and our turnover is really high, that's when you say, okay, what's not working here, right? That's when we have a bigger conversation about what's not working um so yes that's a great point uh dan is just and it's hard it's really hard to just mm -hmm. step back and say you Take got it. knock yourself out yeah <laughs> right. i'm going to hawaii yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah right so i have 
one more thing here, and you know, I always ask this to to all of our guests, and and that is this: is we, we as with all podcasts, we we only get to give a, a kind of a preview of the of the larger topic here. Would it be okay if someone's listening and they want to learn a little bit more about what you're doing? If, if they could reach out to you and I mean, whether it be an email or just, I mean, you don't need to give your email address or anything like that, but, but would it be okay if they reach out to you and just, you know, ask some questions if they want to go a little bit further, would that be all right? Sure. Absolutely. I've had a lot of really great conversations uh, with some people after uh, the last CO2 I was sharing with Dan, Dan and I had a call this week actually. And I was sharing with him that the first CO2 was that I attended was fabulous. It was in person. I got to see Raleigh. I got to, have fun and experience it and talk to just a ton of people. Um, and then I went home and, and I really didn't uh, network or talk to anyone else uh, again. But this time it was really interesting because it was all electronic and I got like 60 emails afterwards and had a couple, even had a couple Zoom calls with people. So the, the networking, the communication was, was even greater not being in person. So really weird, but it was kind of cool how it worked out. And absolutely, and I'm, I'm always open to. to I'm not that. sure we go back to the way we were, but uh, definitely not the way we are. But there's. Well, I'm going to tell you right now. And, and we've already me and Dan did an episode on where we downloaded CO2 for this past year. But it was a lot of funny behind the scenes things happening. Most notably was the hardware failure day one um, when I had to kind of do my coffee talk thing. You know, talk amongst yourselves while we all scramble. But. Anyway, Sharon, this has been a wonderful session, and I cannot thank you enough. I think uh, folks who are listening got a real treat. And next time that you're just kind of hanging out, you know, may want to let him know that we did a really good job of bumping up his uh, system for him. So uh, just yeah, let yeah. him know. <laughs> next time you talk to Dino. Yeah, next yeah. time you guys are having you know drinks or whatever. I mean, yeah. so. <laughs> maybe you guys will be sitting in the game chair and uh, yeah. shooting at each other or something. Sure. You know? <laughs> but in all seriousness, I I always am inspired and I always enjoy listening to you speak and hearing your philosophy, and this has been no different. And so I want to thank you for coming out on the podcast, and I think uh, I would speak for everyone who's who's listening as well that that it's just great things there. And thank you very much, Dan. Any parting thoughts before we before we finish out here? Thank you so much. Uh, it's been outstanding. And uh, if you like what you hear, um, please uh, uh, rate us and review us on Apple. And, uh, you know, uh, we, we appreciate that. And uh, anything else? No, nope. I think with that, Sharon, thank you very much. Dan, thank you. And everyone else, we'll see you next time. Take care now. Thank, thank you, guys. You. Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye.